Reading Psalm 3. Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. But you, Lord, are a shield around me. My glory, the one who lifts my head high. I call out to the Lord and he answers from he answers me from his holy mountain. I lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear, though tens of thousands assail me on every side. Arise, Lord, deliver me, O God. Strike all my enemies on the jaw, break the teeth of the wicked. From the Lord comes deliverance. May your blessing be on your people. Well, what comes to mind when you hear the words, follow the leader? For me, I think of the game Simon Says, a great game, but easy to get caught out though if you're not listening intently for Simon's instructions. Uh, Maybe you think of following someone though to get somewhere. Maybe that's what you think about when you hear those words. Now personally, I have no sense of direction at all, so I do this constantly and I wouldn't follow me anywhere. Or you'll get lost. Ask Ada or Luke or ask Mike Sam's. You know, we went to Brisbane together for a conference a few years ago and we went for a walk from our hotel to a cafe and I needed to go back to the hotel room for, for one reason or another so I asked Mike for directions and he looked at me weirdly and he called me a space cadet and I went, what? I'm not a space cadet, why are you calling me that? And he said, Jack, we've been walking in a straight line for the last 10 minutes and you've somehow got lost. I wouldn't follow me anywhere. See, what comes to your mind when you hear those words, follow the leader? Well, in Psalm 3 this morning, we read that King David is fleeing from his own son who was turned against him and is trying to kill him. And not only that, but Absalom, who's David's son, has turned almost everyone, David's very own people, against him. How many rise up against me, David says. And I wonder for the Israelites who chose to remain loyal to King David, what was going through their heads as they followed their leader? You know, this morning we're reading about a king who was under immense pressure. And we're reading how this king responds, really, while under that pressure. And about how the fate of the king, well, it's actually a fate that is shared by all who follow him. And that's what verse 8 helps us reflect on today, how this is actually a psalm that those who follow the king can say as well. And as we go through this psalm today and read of King David's response while under pressure, we're actually pointed to another king. A a better king, actually the promised king, Jesus, who David foreshadows. A king who felt pressure in a way we could never fully grasp. But he helps us see how this psalm is one that we can pray as well as we follow him when we feel pressures in this life as well. Now, I'm not sure what you're used to turning to when you feel the pressures of life. But I reckon it's generally about following the leader. And by that I mean going to the thing or the person that you think can show you the way out. Uh, who can take some of that pressure off of your shoulders, who can help you deal with it. And I want to say this morning that many good things can help us out during those times when we feel pressure in life and we can be thankful to God for the many things in this life that He's given us to help us during those times. You know the times I'm talking about, right? Those times when it feels like the world is just, just closing in on you, where you can't breathe because of worry and fear. Those times. But in this psalm today, we're pointed toward a leader that brings real and lasting promises of rest and promises of assurance that we can cling to even when we're in the deepest, darkest and and, and hardest times of our lives. A leader who calls all of us to follow him during these times. Now, a psalm is a song or a prayer that's been written to help us respond to who God is using words that God himself has given to us. 
And this morning's psalm was written, as I said, by King David. Now, I want you to imagine something with me. I want you to imagine that we're at a concert. We're in a massive concert hall. And in the middle of the night, a lone singer stands up to sing a solo. Now, imagine being invited to join in on that solo by that singer. See, that's, that's where we're at this morning. We are those people sitting in the concert hall, hearing the voice of a king that's just echoing around all the walls around us. And the invitation is thrown out there for us to join in on this king's solo in Psalm 3. And this morning, I really hope that you can respond to that invitation, that you can do just that along with me. Now, this psalm breaks into four different sections, uh, and that's how we'll look at it today. Firstly, in verses 1 to 2, and looking at following the leader under pressure. Well, in verses 1 to 2 of Psalm 3, David writes, Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. See, here we read the anguish of a king. The first few lines of the solo that we hear this morning is that of lament of a king under pressure. A king betrayed, hunted, pursued out of his own city from his own throne. And we read of this king's central concern, the thing that really cuts him to the heart. See, David brings before God the many people who've turned against him. How many rise up against me, he writes. But then what could we expect the king to follow these words with? They're trying to kill me. They're, they're turning others against me with lies. I've taken my throne. No, the thing that concerns David most of all is what they're saying. They're saying God will not deliver him. What concerns David more than arrows, swords, war, his throne, even death itself, is these people saying that God will not deliver him, that God is not with him. This is the real pressure that lies at the heart of all of his problems. Words that actually would have echoed down to the Israelites who were following David too, causing doubt, causing fear and concern. Words that were trying to welcome them and call them into the terrible and the painfully empty embrace of God not being there, of the absence of their God. And you know, these, these are words that actually echo down the entire storyline of the Bible into the ears of another king. God's very own son, strung up on a cross to die a criminal's death, pursued and arrested by those who wanted to kill him, betrayed by one of his closest friends, now dying as an innocent man on a cross. And how they mocked him. He saved others, they cried, but he can't even save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down from the cross and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. In other words, they're saying God will not deliver him. God is not with him. See, for those who follow Jesus, the suffering of our king, the rejection of those who opposed him, well, just like the Israelites who followed David would have felt the impact of those words to him and the suffering of their king, but we feel the impact of those things today as well as we follow Jesus. And we might feel it in a variety of different ways. A guy called Christopher Ash has written a lot about Psalms, and some of what he's written has been a great help for me as I've read through Psalm 3. And he says this, As one of the king's loyal people, I must expect some overflow of those pressures and not be surprised when I do. And actually, this is precisely what the New Testament teaches that we will share in the sufferings of our king. Why? Because we follow the leader who was under pressure. 
In Jesus, we see a king who felt the pressures of life in all of the ways we do and more. A king rejected by a world that he'd come to rescue. And as those people who follow this king, who follow Jesus, we can expect to feel some of the overflow of of that rejection of him. Now, thankfully, in Australia, that rejection is is generally just to be looked at and spoken to like we're stupid. (laughs) It's still really hard, though, isn't it? Especially when it comes from those we love. But it's not the rejection that our persecuted brothers and sisters face overseas, who in many instances are threatened with death and do face death because they follow Jesus. Those who follow Jesus feel the overflow of the rejection of him. But you know, in Jesus, we also see a human being who, who faced other pressures in life. Things like temptation, who felt sorrow and grief, who felt weary, who felt alone at times, who, who had good days and bad days. Someone who faced the same pressures in this world that we do. You know the pressures I'm talking about, right? When they press in on you from, from every single side, sides you didn't even know existed. Things that give you tunnel vision until all you can see is that that one problem, that one sin, that one temptation, that one disordered desire that just makes you feel pressured and claustrophobic and like you can't breathe. Those times. And in those times, I wonder, have you ever heard those sinister words in your ears? God will not deliver you. Well, King David certainly feels it in Psalms 3 when they're crying out those words against him. So how does he respond? Is it with a defiant sword and a shrewd war council in continued flight to a friendlier people? Uh, No, it's not. See, David responds by remembering the promises of God. That's point two, following the leader to God's promises. Now, back in our concert hall, there, there is a shift in tone of our lone singer. See, it's no longer minor chords that stir melancholy and dread, but there's now a rich, warm tone that produces a major change in direction. David says, But you, Lord, are a shield around me, my glory, the one who lifts my head high. I call out to the Lord, and he answers me from his holy mountain. You see, we're now hearing in this song a unique claim of the chosen king of God's people, a claim that only he can make. Those pursuing him can't make it. Those following him can't even make it. Only the chosen king of Israel, who God has put on the throne, can say these things. You know, in the movement of the book of Psalms, Psalm 1 and 2 stand as really foundational and as an introduction to the Psalms that helps us read them. And in Psalm Psalm 1, we read of the importance of God's word or the law and listening to and meditating on it. And in Psalm chapter 2, we read about the importance of God's chosen king. In Psalm 2, we we hear God saying in verse 6, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. And it goes on. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Ask me and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. See, it's not for Absalom to decide who God's chosen king is. It's not for the Israelites chasing David to, to decide this. It's God. And God has always acted towards David by keeping his promises just the same way he acts towards us today. So David can confidently say these words of verses 3 and 4. Words that declare his trust in God as the one who will shield him from harm. The one who is David's glory or his magnificence and dignity as he is king. The one who will lift David's head that is currently bowed under pressure to be held high in victory. 
A victory that won't come about by David stirring his army with a rousing speech or by gathering his wise counsel together and coming up with a battle strategy. It's a victory that will belong to God like it always has. And David can call out to God for deliverance knowing that he will answer him. To take from Christopher Ash again, he calls this promise an arrow. It's one that has been let loose and flies the length of the whole Old Testament, past lines and lines of kings, and straight to the one king who David was only ever foreshadowing, the true king of the Psalms, Jesus. The king God has set eternally on his throne in heaven. Now for those who follow David out from Jerusalem being chased and feeling this overwhelming pressure, just as they shared in the suffering of their king, they also shared in his glory and in his victory. And it's the same for those who follow Jesus, but it's so much better because the victory David knows that God will hand him is over man. But the victory of Jesus, that's a victory over death itself. That's a victory over sin, a victory that those who follow Jesus can share in. And this is something that the New Testament reiterates again and again, that those who follow Jesus, they share in his suffering, they also share in his glory. They share in his victory over sin and death. And now we contribute the same thing that King David did to God saving him. And this is really important, okay? This is the secret. So we've got to listen up, okay? What do we contribute? Nothing. Nothing. Instead, it's the response of David's trusting in God's promises and God saving him that we are called to have. Trust. They're promises that lead us straight to Jesus as the one uh, who is being pointed to, as the one who we are called to put our trust in. The one who can save us from sin. Now, this may be hard to hear this morning if you're hearing this for the very first time, but the way the Bible puts it is that we are all actually guilty of having been just like those people who rose up against David in Psalm chapter 3, or rather in 2 Samuel, uh, where we read about this. But the thing is, it's not David that we've rejected and risen up against. It's God. And it's his chosen king, Jesus. So we have all said that we don't want him at some point or another in our lives. We have all turned away from our loving and gracious God. And and we would all share in the same fate of facing the consequences of that, of God's judgment for it, if not for Jesus. Through whom we have a shield from God's wrath as he takes it all on himself on the cross in our place when he died. And through whose resurrection victory over death, we share if we trust in him. He has saved us from the greatest foe of all, sin and death, the penalty of our rejection of God, from the penalty of being those who rejected God's chosen king, Jesus. And he doesn't require anything of us but to trust in him. To trust in Jesus, to be forgiven for this, and to become those people who follow the king and share in the same fate as their king. That although we share in his suffering while we follow him in all its many faceted ways, we also share in his eternal victory and glory. Knowing fully that though life is hard now and though we might experience suffering, grief and hardship and and pressures presently, that God is with us. Now, if Jesus has done this for us, if God has done this for us, if Jesus has died for us, if he's risen again, is now reigning at God's side as as our eternal king, do, do you really think he's going to leave you when he's done all that for us and forget about you when you're in need? 
No. We can follow the leader to God's promises. And point three, we can follow the leader to rest. Now, I'm not sure what your response would be if uh, an army was chasing after you to kill you. At the least, maybe a bit of camouflage, you know, wouldn't go astray. Uh, But David, having remembered the promises of God, says this. He says, I lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear, though tens of thousands assail me on every side. Now, I wonder for the Israelites how they would have felt at this point. You know, okay, well, we've just convened the war council. David's favourite red M&Ms, they're, on, they're here on the desk. But where's David? He's nowhere in sight. Where is he? Well, their king, God's chosen king, is resting in the promises of his God. Not fearing the tens of thousands of people around him who are crying out that God will not deliver him. Because he knows God and he can trust in him. So he can sleep and he wakes. And when he does, he knows it's because God sustains him and nothing else. Now, I don't think this is it's just saying that if you can't sleep at night, then you're not resting in the promises of God well enough. That actually sounds really stressful. Like rest in the promises of God, rest in the promises of God. Oh, I can't fall asleep. It sounds really stressful. Now, I mean, we do see Jesus sleeping in a boat during a storm in Mark chapter 4 while his disciples freak out. We we do see Jesus sleeping in a pretty (laughs) turbulent, crazy situation. Uh, But we also read of Jesus' sleepless nights, don't we, while he stays up and prays. Nights when Jesus stays up and helps people. Uh, The night when Jesus agonized over what was about to happen to him when he's arrested and taken to the cross to die. But what I do think David is getting at in Psalm 3, though, is that he can enjoy the promises of God in the present, even when life is battering him. Because he knows, ultimately, that God is with him and knows that God will deliver him. So this greatly impacts how David feels about the situation he's facing. And I think this is something that is true for us as well, that we can feel when we are struggling and feeling pressure or or hurting or, or feel like God isn't there. See, it's, it, when we go through those things, it, it doesn't mean that we, we go through life pretending that our struggles and pressures aren't there. See, David doesn't do that in the first few verses. Jesus didn't do that. And it would be ridiculous for us to pretend that this is the case. But what it does mean is that when we are in the midst of the pressures of life, feeling like the sides are closing in, when, when it might feel like God isn't there and the world is against you, that you can turn back to the promises of God in Christ and know that that's just not true. That God is with you. That he knows exactly what it is that you're going through. Like Jesus knew in his suffering, like David knew in his, even though he was surrounded and didn't know what would happen, he knew that he could call out to God, that God would hear him crying out. He knew that he could turn to the promises of God and follow him. Follow the one who God points us to follow. Jesus, the one who knows our trials and hardships. And the one who's actually dealt with the source of the problems of this world that we face. God says, I've got you. I've got you from the greatest enemy in existence. And if I've got you from that, then I've got you in this. Rest in the promises I've made to you in my son. Follow the leader. It will be okay. And even if it means your eyes close for the final time in this life, we can know that they will open again in his presence. When his victory is complete, we can follow the leader to rest in the promises of God. And point four, finally, we can follow the leader to assurance. 
Well, finally, knowing the pressure he's under, um, turning to God's promises, resting in those promises, David proclaims the assurance he has in God's deliverance, the assurance of salvation. See, the final verses of our song being sung by this solo singer, they're ringing out loudly across the hall as he sings, Arise, Lord, deliver me, my God, strike all my enemies on the jaw, break the teeth of the wicked. But why, why strike them on the jaw? Why break their teeth? Well, I'll show you. It's because of this. Now, right now, it's pretty easy for me to say, God will not deliver you. Okay, that, that's fairly easy to say. But when I take this sock, which, which I'm pretty sure it's clean, when I take this sock and do this, <coughs> it's pretty hard to say. I can't really say it, can I? It's kind of impossible. Well, just like I can't talk with a mouthful of socks, David's enemies can no longer cry out that God will not deliver him because God will render them unable to. They won't be able to speak those words around their swollen jaws and their broken teeth. And we can know that same assurance today with the pressures that we face in life. Though they're there, though they're hard, when we remember the promises of God and what he's already done for us in his son Jesus, the teeth of those pressures are just smashed out. The jaws are swollen. Or if that's too graphic, just imagine that sock being stuffed into their mouth. Its muffled cries of God will not deliver you will begin to lose form as your eyes are lifted to the glorious reality of our victorious risen king. We can say along with David in verse 8, from the Lord comes deliverance. May your blessing be on your people. Because remember, those who follow the leader share in the fate of their leader. The final line of this psalm is an invitation for the king's people to join in with this song. It's the lone singer on stage, Jesus, inviting us to stand up there with him and join in the solo of a king that is now a choir of those who are saved by faith in him. Those who can expect to share in the king's suffering in this world, but who can also share in his kingly promises, rest, and the assurance of salvation. It's a song that in its fulfillment is never really meant to be sung alone, but shoulder to shoulder, holding each, uh, holding each other up under the pressures of this world as we join in feeling sorrow and, and grief and concern and pain and pressure but turning together to the promises of God that are complete in the person of Jesus, our King, the leader we follow. See, nothing else in the world can give us what he has. And anything else we try to put in his place, it just, it just won't lead anywhere. Other things might bring temporary relief and might help us as we face different struggles and pressures in life. And some of those things are actually really good and we should be thankful to God that they're there to, to ease that pressure. But they're not the leader we follow. They're not the leader who dictates for us how we should act under those pressures or who to bring those pressures to. See, the brokenness of this world we live in will always tear through those things eventually and show them for what they are, not God. And well, actually, they'll lead you away from God and not to him if you're following them as your leader. You'll get lost, even if you're walking in a straight line. So who do you follow when you feel the pressures of this world? Uh, what rest and assurance can they give you? Well, if it's not Jesus, then at best it's just something like a mouldy band-aid that's just, just going to fall off and be horrible and not do anything. But at worst, it's something that's going to just lead you further away from God and not to Him. 
So will you follow the leader? Will you follow Jesus? Now, we're going to respond uh, together with the words of this psalm in, in just a moment. We're going to, to join in with the solo of the king. And if you're in a season of, of not going through the pressure of life at the moment, well, say these words with those around you who are. And get ready to say them when you do, because you will. Uh, if you're reading this out and you're actually wanting to follow Jesus for the first time, that's amazing. That's awesome. Please chat to Scott or a friend you came with about what that means. Um, I, I would love a chat, but probably don't talk to the screen after the service. Uh, you'll get some weird look from the people around you. Uh, actually, if the screen talks back as well, uh, run, because that's terrifying. Uh, but please definitely follow up if that's been you this morning. Uh, if that's not you this morning, don't feel like you need to do this right now. You need to read through this psalm aloud with everyone and... You know, maybe just listen to the words and, and read it out. Maybe come up with a question or two that you could ask Scott or that you could ask the friend that you came with a bit later on. Uh, but, but for everyone else, uh, let's, let's read this great psalm out together as we respond to uh, this great God who loves us. And as we follow our leader, Jesus, let's join in with the solo of our King. I'm going to grab the Bible. We're going to do that now. Let's do it. Let's read together. Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. But you, Lord, are a shield around me. My glory, the one who lifts my head high. I call out to the Lord and he answers me from his holy mountain. I lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear, though tens of thousands assail me on every side. Arise, Lord, deliver me, my God. Strike all my enemies on the jaw. Break the teeth of the wicked. From the Lord comes deliverance. May your blessing be on your people. Amen.